Welcome. You are listening to the Counseling Conversations with Carmel, Kyle, and Christine, brought to you by the Illinois Counseling Association. Today, we are doing a special series. We're interviewing amazing presenters from this year's ICA Conference 2023. Which is in November, November 9th through 11th in Lyle, Illinois. And if you still need to sign up, please do so right away at ilcounseling.org and take a listen to these great presenters and what they will be talking about at the conference. And we hope to see you there. See you guys soon. Suzanne. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Suzanne, I'm Carmel, and I am representing the Illinois Counseling Association. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you for participating in this year's conference, our 75th annual conference. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, yes. so why don't you start out by telling our listeners what you're going to be presenting on? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I'm going to be presenting on EMDR therapy for non-EMDR clinicians. The presentation is focused on helping clinicians understand um, what we as EMDR therapists are looking for in terms of client readiness so that they can better prepare their clients if they would like to make a referral for their client to receive EMDR therapy. So they get a little dip into the information of um how EMDR works to better understand conceptualization of clients and symptomology, um, and also gain an awareness of what they can do as a therapist to do that, um, prepare the client and readiness ahead of providing a referral. Oh, that's great. So Mm -hmm. therapists don't have to rush to get certified in EMDR. They can just get their clients ready to send them to you, right? Yes, exactly. That's great. That's great. Okay. And what got you uh, started with EMDR? What made you interested in this particular modality? Mm. So um, that's a wonderful question. I actually got started in the field in community mental health. I was in a substance abuse setting and I found that a lot of my clients had underlying trauma Uh, And I was just really interested about the interplay in trauma and the symptomology I was seeing. And then as I became, you know, a more confident clinician, really starting to understand that the trauma is often the foundation of what we're seeing in session. So it really uh, created a passion for me in trauma work. Uh, And then in finding out more about different therapeutic techniques, EMDR is highly researched. It's highly effective. And, you know, in getting trained in it, I have had the opportunity to see a lot of change in my clients. I've been doing EMDR for 10 years now, almost. So I have really seen it change people's lives and be effective when at other times therapies have not for this client. Um, So it's really become a passion of mine to help advocate for the therapy technique. Mm, Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I was going to ask, how has this helped you as a clinician? But I think you just answered that. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you have experienced change and improvement with symptoms and just overall life management with clients that were dealing with a history of trauma uh, that maybe you wouldn't have seen with other approaches. Yes. Yes, most certainly. I mean, I currently work with a lot of clients. I think very early on in my career, I felt relatively helpless 
to treat and to help them find relief. And EMDR has really been a tool that has made me feel confident in my ability to help others. And I um, even own a group practice now that has an EMDR specialty and all the, the clinicians at the practice do practice EMDR as well. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So it sounds like new clinicians, but any clinician would be uh, a good candidate for your workshop and especially someone who's not EMDR trained and would like to know what they need to do with their clients prior to referring them out for EMDR treatment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We often find ourselves working in partnership with other providers as well. Um, you know, clients can have a primary therapist and that therapist may identify there's this one specific trauma component that is being non-responsive to the treatment they're doing. And we can work as an ancillary provider to really come in and work on that trauma piece and then have them go back to their primary therapist. So this presentation will really help other providers understand how to make that process smoother for their clients. Mm. And about how long are clients usually in treatment with you if they're seeking EMDR treatment? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this is the typical therapist answer. It depends. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on the complexity of the case. Um, if it's a client who has been really well resourced, uh, they can usually come in and move through pretty seamlessly. It might take a couple of months, just again, depending on how complex the presentation is and the stabilization that's been completed prior, which is, you know, part of what this presentation is about to help that streamline process. Um, whereas for other clients who have a really complex presentation, complex PTSD, um, difficulty with state changing in session, dissociate, dissociative symptoms, or just a really um, truncated window of tolerance, the therapy is going to be a much more elongated period. Mm, okay, great. Thank you. And what trainings are you offering outside of the conference for clinicians that might want to get trained in EMDR? So I am a facilitator with the EMDR Institute. Um, I really recommend that as a basic training curriculum. Uh, I also provide consultation towards basic training offers and then EMDR certification as well. Um, and then for EMDR providers, we also have some specialty, more advanced topics that we present on as well. Um, so I do like to put it out there that I can be a resource to clinicians who are interested in finding out more about the process. I think that's a really important part of the advocacy for EMDR. Okay, great, great. And what should they, they be looking for on the schedule just so that they can mm -hmm. find you? Yeah, so look for EMDR therapy for non-EMDR therapists. And I, I believe the next part is like uh, preparing your client for um, referral. Okay, all right, great. Thank you so much, Suzanne. And once again, thank you yes. for presenting at this year's conference on behalf of the Illinois Counseling Association. Thank you, it's an honor. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Looking forward to meeting you in person. Yes. All right, goodbye. Bye. Welcome, you are listening to the Counseling Conversations with Carmel, Kyle, and Christine, brought to you by the Illinois Counseling Association. 
Today, we are doing a special series. We're interviewing amazing presenters from this year's ICA Conference 2023. Which is in November, November 9th through 11th in Lyle, Illinois. And if you still need to sign up, please do so right away at ilcounseling.org and take a listen to these great presenters and what they will be talking about at the conference. And we hope to see you there. Hi everyone, I have Molly Ansari with us today, um, who is going to be presenting at the ICA 2023 conference. And she's here to tell us a little bit about her uh, presentation. Hi Molly, Hi. welcome. Hi, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I'm gonna be presenting on Friday at the conference in session four, um, which I believe starts at 2.45. And my topic is supervision of counselors and correctional settings, a grounded theory. Oh, wow. Tell me a little bit about what inspired you to present on this topic. It sounds very interesting. Yeah, I definitely have a close tie to this topic. Um, some years ago, I was working, um, I was actually working for Thresholds in Chicago. Mm. And um, my, my role there was very unique in that I was contracted out to work at Cook County Jail. So I was actually working within the jail in a correctional setting, I, I kind of bounced between a couple programs within um, within Cook County Jail, and it was such a unique experience at so many levels, right? Just the setting alone, <laughs> yeah. I think, is fascinating, and I could talk all day about that. But the part that I found the most interesting to me and the one that impacted me the most was the supervision that I was getting while trying to do this job. I was hired as a trauma therapist. So as you can imagine, just wow. the setting and, and, you know, kind of the population I was serving, um, the, the program that I was working with within Cook County. So I was kind of working in tandem with another agency and they were lovely, um, but it was a substance use program. And the, the team that I was working with, the degrees that they had um, were at a bachelor's level. Hmm. I was a master's level. I was an LCPC at the time. Um, and I was getting supervision, which was great because they were very knowledgeable of the program. But then I would go back to thresholds on the north side of the city and had my supervisor through thresholds give me clinical mm -hmm. supervision. So I was kind of bouncing between these two sources for supervision. And I found that within the jail, I was getting a lot of supervision on safety and policy and how the jail itself runs, which mm -hmm. so important, need to know sure. that. Yeah, And then my supervision, the clinical supervision I was getting was very helpful just for the, you know, the cases I was working on and the treatment I was providing, but the two never overlapped. So I was never getting supervision that really took in the full picture of what my job entailed. And wow. um, for the majority of my work, the, the bulk of the time that I was there, I was the only master's level clinician in my program. I didn't even have a teammate. I didn't have a team that I was working oh, with. So lonely. Yeah. So I didn't have peer supervision either. Um, it wasn't until later that I was working in a different program. I had one other colleague that her and I really kind of, you know, leaned on one another. Um, but overall my experience, I was just craving better supervision and I wasn't sure how or where to get that. I didn't know where to turn when I was in the jail. I didn't know, you know, when I was outside, my supervisor was great, but again, lacked that whole experience of working in the jail. Um, so when I came time to write my dissertation for my PhD program, this was the first topic that came to mind. And I really wanted to know, 
is it just me? Am I just in this really <laughs> unique scenario where yeah. maybe I'm just kind of the unicorn in this, this idea of correctional counseling and I wasn't getting what I needed, or is this happening more often? Because from what I learned, turnover was very frequent in oh, a wow. mental health correctional setting. And I, that made me so sad because that's, I believe in supervision very, very much. I find that it supervisors should have supervision. Agreed. And if, if counselors in these like high intense situations are not getting the supervision they need, and we're not reaching this population that is so vulnerable that has, you know, the whole idea is rehabilitation. And if we're not able to provide that, I mean, the effects are huge, right? Recidivism and, you know, continued, um, you know, crime and violence and struggles once they're released and all of a sudden they're coming right back. And I just, I was like, we're, we're missing something here. So I did a grounded theory study because I wanted to talk to other, I did qualitative. So I wanted to talk to other counselors in correctional settings and get their lived experiences in their role. And um, kind of to my disappointment, I wasn't alone. And it sounded like there was a lot of elements of supervision that were missing and needed to be touched on that weren't. So in all of the work, I, you know, I took together all the information and I came up with a theory of, of how I think um, supervision could be uh, the quality could be increased, the just kind of the overall scope um, could be shifted a little bit. So we're supporting our counselors in these really high intense populations and settings and um, you know, so just support them because I, I, I found that the support was lacking. Wow, that's a great and very inspiring story of <laughs> even leading you down the road of dissertation and making this your focus to really improve the system. Yeah. So yes, unfortunately in your research, you probably found you weren't alone, but fortunate we have you who's going so. to be, yeah, <laughs> who's going to be addressing this topic and presenting on it too. So what, what can you expect people to learn from this workshop? Yeah, I want to kind of take, um, it, I want to take a little bit more of a broad scope with this and just kind of walk through the different areas. And first, I, I want to just talk about clinical supervision. We we learn about it in our master's programs for those that go on for doc programs. You know, we learn about it. Um, but I, I really want to focus in on what is supervision? What is the purpose of it? Why do we need it? And then I want to talk about the unique setting of a correctional setting in, in the population, because that it's unlike a setting that I've ever worked at before, you know, and every setting has its unique uniqueness to it or unique challenges. I, the learning curve was steep. I had to learn a lot fast. Um, so I, I want to talk about just the setting alone and the implications for mental health and mental health treatment within this type of a setting. Uh, and then I want to talk about what I heard from my participants. I, I think their stories are are so wonderful. I think they need to be shared. I think it's important for us to hear what counselors are missing and what they're needing from their own words, not just this, oh, I wonder if it's this, or I think it might be that. I, I want to talk about what I heard in my interviews. Um, and then I will take it down a path of this is what I concluded with all the information that I gathered. And is it going to fix everything? Absolutely not. There's so many factors and lack of resource and funding and you name it, we're up against it. But if, if we can start that conversation of what does all this information mean together and what can we do and take it forward? I think that's important. And that that's a really good point because I was thinking about the, the topic and as you were talking, I was like, this is not really just applicable 
to only supervisors who work in correctional facility environments. This could be applicable to supervisors in a variety of environments or someone who's looking to be a supervisor at some point and taking note to like consider your surroundings, consider the environment that your that your supervisees are in. So I feel like supervisors in general could get a lot from this, even if the context that they are supervising in is different. 100%. I Because as I mentioned just before, every setting is unique. You yes. know, I, I might be talking specifically about corrections and maybe a prison or a jail setting, but there are so many settings out there that are so unique and unlike any others that supervisors in those settings, I think, could really benefit from it. I, I think just opening up that question of maybe I should ask my supervisee, are they getting what they need? You know, yeah, am I, am I, I hitting, thinking. am I hitting all of their needs? And then on the flip side for supervisees, I hope they attend and that too, I'm not talking just about correctional counselors, anyone, because I, as a professor myself, I, when I talk to my students, I talk about how do you advocate for yourself as a supervisee? If you are Great. not getting what you are needing you need to advocate for it. And I know in my own experience, I was very green when it came to corrections and in that environment that I maybe didn't ask the right questions. And then I probably didn't know the questions I should be asking, but I, I found right. myself just kind of eh, putting my head down and doing my work where if I would have had somebody really pushing me to no, say something, ask the questions, look for it, seek it out, find it. I may have been more inclined to get my needs met in a different way. So I, I hope that supervisees and, and counselors just in general attend the session too, to remind, remind them of the importance of advocating for their needs as a counselor in any setting. I love this so much. I'm, I'm definitely coming to yours. <laughs> you, oh, sold awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me. You sold me. No, I, I agree. I, it, the titles are sometimes so, you know, you don't know what you're really going to get from there. And so you base, you, you make assumptions based on the titles of things. And I'm like, oh, correct. I'm not in that setting. But now that we've talked about it, I'm like, oh, there's going to be so much that I can gain from this as being a supervisor myself. Yes. Um, is there anything else you would like listeners to know about your workshop? I, I hope it's interactive. I'm, I'm okay. not, I'm not the kind of presenter or professor that stands and lectures and then stops and ends. I want people to talk. I, I hope people come that have experience in corrections because I would love to hear their thoughts as we go along too. And I, I want it to be a conversation more than a presentation. And I, if you have questions, I certainly don't have the answer to everything, but man, do I think questions are cool because they spark more conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I hope that um, there is a discussion there. And I, I just would love to hear from others. And and also just to know if this was a beneficial approach to it, because I, yeah. I know, like I said, I, I feel so strongly about supervision. That's the one thing that I, throughout my entire career, have really gone out of my way to make sure I constantly have that supervision um, that I, I want to know that this is the, this is a way to do it. And it was receptive. So I, I look for feedback in it. Um, but mostly that conversation. I just, I want to talk to others. <laughs> well, that's wonderful to know too, that it's interactive and it's not going to be just sitting and listening for, you know, being lectured for an hour and a half. So yeah. Molly, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today and telling us about your presentation. And I'm really looking forward to attending your workshop. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you One so more. much for having me. 
Yeah, of course. One more time is, is it Friday? What day is it? Friday? Friday. It's in the fourth session, uh, session, session four. I believe it starts at 2.45 in the afternoon. Wonderful. Everyone look for Molly's workshop and please attend if any of this sounds of interest to you. Thank you so much, Molly. And um, everyone have a great day. Thank you. We're interviewing amazing presenters from this year's ICA Conference 2023. Which is in November, November 9th through 11th in Lyle, Illinois. And if you still need to sign up, please do so right away at ilcounseling.org. How do you guys feel?